Welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Look, once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer, because once again, I'm telling you, He's coming, and He's coming quickly. And I know I say that every week, but I just want to make sure that we're prepared. I want to make sure that we are accounted worthy to escape the things that are coming on this earth, and that you all are aware and know what is happening. So um, I'm actually praying about potentially adding additional episodes here just to talk about current events and things that are that are happening in the world right now. Um, hopefully I can start doing that here soon because I just feel like we have to understand there are things that are happening so quickly these days that I'm even struggling to keep up with them even as I watch the news on a daily basis and, and search for these things. So, But I want to make sure that everyone's aware and understands exactly how quickly things are happening. So I'm praying about that. And as long as the Lord lets me, then, then I'll probably start doing that here soon. So with that, though, we are going to continue our study in the book of Exodus, just some housekeeping items. Once again, all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like a copy of a New King James Bible, please feel free to drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com, and I am more than happy to get one into your hands. Also, my book's out, Grace Abounds. If you'd like a copy of that, please drop me a note, pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. And then also, once again, lastly, don't take my word for it. Study to so show yourself approved unto God, a workman worthy of his hire. Make sure that you're putting in the work here, right? Because there's a lot of false teaching out there, a lot of false things happening, and and uh, you know, but there are some true teachers out there too, right? And I think that we just you just need to be able to rightfully divide the word and work out your own salvation, right? I had this conversation with uh, a guy on an airplane back from from travel from Atlanta, and he was saying how you know people don't really want to work out their salvation anymore, and I completely agree with them. We have to work it out. What does that mean? That means we got to pray about it. That means we got to read scripture, see how it aligns and do the work, right? And make sure you're putting in the work for it. Amen. So just remember that because I do think that it's going to be even more imperative as we continue on, because there's a lot of false Christs that are arising. A lot of, uh, teachers that are, you know, itching with itching ears and trying to teach those to, to people with itching ears, just make sure that we're, we're putting in the work in recognizing what God has for us. Amen. So last week we discussed the Exodus as a look at the redemption, specifically the Passover. This week we're going to continue looking at the Exodus, but we're going to see this as the baptism. So picking back up here in Exodus 14, 10 through 12, um, the Bible says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is not is this not the word we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. As we said last time, okay, the world is not going to give up easily on those it once had. So Pharaoh is pursuing Israel. If you remember, we are up against the Red Sea here, Israel is, and they see Pharaoh's chariots coming after them. And this is what they said. Look, we wanted to go back to Israel. You should have left us alone. You should have left us in bondage. Well, that's not what God wants, right? God does not want us left in bondage. God wants us free. 
God wants us to make sure that we are separated from the world, as we talked about last week. But this is their first real trial and their first real test. You know, and see how they respond in verse 11 when it says, Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? The first trial for a new Christian, for a new believer, is always the hardest. It's the one that it will decide if we are going to follow God or if we are going to go back and go back into the world. Now, remember the explanation of the parable of the sower that Christ gave in Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Now, I'm going to pause there for second, right? This is the situation that the children of Israel are in. They had heard the word. They knew that they were supposed to be delivered. But now here comes the wicked one, Pharaoh and all of his thing, trying to snatch away what was sown in them, the freedom that was sown in them during Passover, right? So Continuing on here in this parable, he says, But he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Okay, now, again, there were some people in the children of Israel that fell in this as well, right? Because they they recognize it. Now there's a trial. Now there's persecution. Now they don't know how they're going to escape from this. And now they're wanting to go back into Israel. Now, when he who received the the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now, this is that person that is, is constantly worried about the word, the world, constantly worried about what's going to become, you know, then they follow the riches and they try and overlay God on top of it. They become unfruitful. But then the last part, it says, but he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Each of these folks receive the seed. But only the one who heard it and understood it being mixed with faith moves forward. And that's the way that we need to be. Now, while the children of Israel weren't that way, God's not going to give them a choice here, right? Because ultimately God needs to establish Israel. He's got to lead them into the promised land. There has to be a lineage of Jesus Christ from a kingship in all of that, right? But as new believers, our faith is weak. We are suspect to going back to the world and back to what we were just redeemed from. This is why we need a mature Christian to watch out for us, to disciple us. In the case of Israel, this was Moses. And this is why, for those of you that are mature Christians, I challenge you to find a young Christian, find a new believer, and disciple them, and to pour into them, right? And to make sure that we are training them up in the way that they should go. Because just as we have to train our children in the way that we should go, we should train up the the new Christians, those baby Christians, in the way that they should go as well, right? So Exodus 14, 13 through 14 says this, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Discipleship is important here. When we are being discipled by an elder, they pray over you. They watch out for you and encourage you when you are being challenged and do exactly what Moses did here and intercede for you. We should always look to our mentors, always look to those that have discipled us, you know, and ask for their 
what they think about things in our lives. Ask them to pray for you. They will do that on a regular basis. But it's important, just as they're pouring into to us, we need to make sure that we are pouring into others as well. Amen. So after this intercession, what do we see? We see God begin to move. Exodus 14, 15 through 20 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp moved and went behind them. And the pillar of God, the cloud, went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud in darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night. Here's the beginning of sanctification. This is the separating of Israel from Egypt or from the world, right? The separating of the believer from the world. And I think that we have to understand because once we, that separation happens, then we can begin to be used for his purpose. Remember that Christ is our sanctification and he was made that to us in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the the foolish things of, this, of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ, Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. All all of these things are aspects that God will has been made to us, that Christ has been made unto us, that we may be used according to his purpose. He is our redemption, he is our sanctification, he is our righteousness, and he is our wisdom. But what we see next is the true baptismal experience for Israel. So in Exodus 14, 21 through 22, the Bible says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on to their left. This is an incredibly important moment for the children of Israel. Again, this is their baptismal moment. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized in the Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. Now remember, baptism is the sign of the death of our flesh and the resurrection of us into the image of Christ. Romans 6, 1 through 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died it to sin live any longer in it? Or do you know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away 
away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So being dipped into the water is a picture of our of our flesh going down into the death, being baptized into the death of Jesus Christ and resurrected into the newness of life. Colossians 2, 11 through 14 says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, that he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, right? So he's talking about the fulfillment of the law and Christ being us going into the baptism of his death, allowing us to as well fulfill the law through our faith because Christ had it taken away having nailed it to the cross, right? Basically meaning he fulfilled it to where we now may go to him and we may go to the Father through Jesus Christ. The baptismal is the death of our flesh, and then we are resurrected back into the newness of life, right? The other thing that the baptism does is that it fully creates the separation between us and also who we were, right? If the who we were goes down into the into the water and then is completely cleansed and dies, we are resurrected into the newness of life that is in Christ Jesus. And the separation between who we were out in the world and who we are meant to be is then complete, right? That's why even John the Baptist kept saying, repent and be baptized. Turn away from what you were and be baptized, right? Turn away from all the things that you used to do, the things that you you were, were doing before, and be baptized, right? Why? Because the baptism is the symbol of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, right? And that's why we have to be baptized. Now, look, if someone gets saved on their deathbed, does that mean that, and they weren't baptized, does that mean that, they, that they're not going to heaven? No, that's not what that means, and that's not what I'm saying. But for those of us that have been saved, we should be baptized as an open sign of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in us, right? So that way our old man can be buried, and our, we can be resurrected into the newness of him. Amen. The, the, the Israelites themselves were baptized in the Red Sea right? They absolutely were. That's what that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Understanding that then, so they have the redemption at the Passover, where they slayed the lamb, and, and they they had, they ate it with haste, with their sandals on their feet, and they ate it with bitter herbs, and they were released, and they got freedom that next day. But then later as they're going, they go through the sign of that, of that redemptive work, which is the baptismal experience in the Red Sea. So once that happens, the world should not have any more hold on us, right? On Exodus 14, 23 through 28 says this, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. The world is then destroyed in us, like talking about our world, right? The things that we used to be it is destroyed by the baptismal piece here, and then a separation happens from the redeemed person. I'll give you an example here in my own life. From the redemptive work that happened in me, right, there was a test. There always will be a test immediately after your redemption, right? And that, and what happens is that when I stopped drinking and when the Lord delivered me from drinking, one of my old drinking buddies put in front of me my favorite beer, and he said, you're really not going to drink this. Now, that was my second test here. That was when I was up against the Red Sea. And what happened is I pushed it back and I told him, I said, no, I'm not. I'm actually redeemed. I'm going to live this out, right? There was a separation this time, a separation between who I was and who I was going to be in Christ, right? Now, did that mean that the world didn't pursue me? Of course the world pursued me. He sat the beer right in front of me, knowing that it was my favorite beer. But understand that I had victory over it because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, I was able to push back that beer and then move forward with him. There was a separation there, right? So while we've been talking about the baptismal experience, that that redemptive work is going to happen. You'll have your initial redemption, but then there will be the test. The world is always going to come back after you. It's always going to try and pull you back in. It's always going to try and pull you back into bondage and back into slavery. The question for us is, how are we going to do it? What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond when the trial hits and we're going to say, you know, you know what, I'm going to go back into the world similar or similar to what the children of Israel did when they wanted to go back to Egypt? Or are we going to say, you know what? I'm with God this time. I'm with God. I'm going with him through Christ Jesus, through the redemptive work of that cross and through the work that he did. The baptism is what comes after redemption. It is the sign of our repentance, our turning away from the things of the world. Israel had this experience. And look, I want you to see how Exodus 14 ends. So the Lord saved Israel. Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Once we come over victory, and once we have redemption, and then we have that second temptation, right? And we have gone through this experience, and we've made our decision that we are going to follow God, that we are going to go the way that he wants us to go, then guess what? we also will see those bodies of those Egyptians dead on the seashore. In my personal case, in the example I gave you, it was my drinking buddies. They all left me. I didn't have a friend in the world. And on top of that, my relationship
relationship with my family was on the rocks. So what happened? I had three solid years of that until the relationships with my family were restored, until things changed for me. But I had three solid years where it was just me and the Lord in a wilderness experience, very similar to what the children of Israel had gone through. So why why do I tell you that? Because my own experience tells me that when you make up your mind to go and follow the Lord, that the world that will that was chasing you down, that world that you the part that you were were with before will ultimately be cast up against that seashore and you're never going to see it again. It'll create a pure separation between you, between your and who you are, who you were and who you are. Right. We all have to go through this experience. Right. And we all have a choice. You know, in the in the example of the parable, only a quarter of the people made it to, to where the, the seed would actually take root. Right. The other three, 75 percent went back or you know did something else or weren't profitable or weren't fruitful for different reasons right it's important that we till up our own ground it's important that we're ready to receive Christ and that again we focus on tilling up the ground for others that they may be able to receive Christ and then be as Moses to other people disciple them give them the encouragement that they need when they face their own issues and when they face their own challenges and the world comes back for them because guess what the world tried to come back for me, and but thank, thankfully, due to the grace of God, I was able to pass the test, and we've moved on from there. But there are others that will fail, and guess what? They might fail multiple times, but show them the grace that they need. Teach them what they need, right? It's just like a baby. A baby has no idea what they're doing, and guess what? When you when they try and put their finger in a in a socket, what do you do? You smack their hand so that they, they don't do it again, or you pull them away from it. Whatever it is that you have to do as as the discipler, if you will, as the person that's leading the other one, do it. Do it. If you love them and you say you love them, you don't want to love them straight off a cliff. You need to tackle them when they're walking into that cliff sometimes, right? So understanding all of that, it's important that we understand the lessons here in Israel and particularly coming out of the Exodus because this is where the separation from the world is. We are called to be separate. We are called to be a peculiar people. We are called to not be in the wor- of the world, but rather to be in the world, right? We have to make sure that we stay pure, that we stay focused focused on Christ and focused on the things that he has for us. If we don't do that, then we will fall into the wilderness. We will fall beside and we will, and ultimately we'll go right back into Egypt the same way that the children of Israel wanted to. Amen. So look, I I hope you got something out of this. Next time we're going to talk about the, the bread and the water and what that means and how once we get separated out that God will provide the provision for us and what that truly means for us particularly on our spiritual walk and our spiritual journey. But look, I hope you got something out of this. And just remember, man, because it's so important. There's so many things happening right now in this world that are preparing for the beast system. I truly, truly, truly believe that we are very, very close to the time of the of the end of this age. And just be prepared. Make sure you're doing the work that God has set you to do, whatever that is. And if it's just pray, then just pray. If that's what he calls you to do, then pray, but pray earnestly. Pray earnestly for people. But all of us can share the gospel with people that are in our lives. All of us can talk about about Jesus Christ to the people around us. All of us can start up a conversation with people next to us, whether it's on an airplane or anywhere else, and just have the conversation and start talking about Jesus. Because at the end of 
the day, that's our responsibility. That's everyone's responsibility. We can talk to the people at the coffee shop, to the people at the at the grocery store. We can talk to them anywhere. We've got to just be prepared to. And like I always say at church, when that door opens, make sure you kick it down. Because at the end of the day, if that's not our purpose right now, we are drastically, drastically missing the boat. So until next time, just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless. Thank you.